Hey, it's your old pal Slim, and this is 70 Millimeter, a podcast for film lovers. Every Monday, I'm joined by famous artist Danny Haas. Not that I wanted to smoke, but I kind of was like, man, this looks really cool. And writer, poet, Protolexis. Really, my main point is that Maggie Chung is a miracle of cinema. And together as friends forever, we discuss recently watched movies. Later in this episode, we're finally covering Wong Kar Wai's romantic drama, In the Mood for Love. Is this the love story set in 1962 Hong Kong we've been waiting for? And is this one of the greatest films of the 21st century? Find out now. In the Mood for Love mm. by Wong Kar Wai, streaming right now on the Criterion app or HBO Max. Danny, how do you feel getting into this episode? Because there's a lot of buzz in our Discord about a review that posted this week from your partner. A partner in crime. Casey. She, she posted a rating for this movie mm. that really tore up our Discord. So how do you feel going into this episode? Uh, I'm excited to talk about this film. It was uh, It was a... Uh, Topic of conversation since the night we watched it. Really? Casey won't stop talking mm. about it. I won't stop listening to her talk about it. Uh, we've had words. Just to set the stage, Casey gave it two and a half stars. Mm-hmm. Two and a half After stars. After the speech that we, we had from Proto last week, trying to save this year with this episode for In the Mood for Love. Proto, did you have an emotional reaction when you saw that review? I did. It was like, um, it was like getting punched in the gut. I, but at that point, I hadn't seen the movie. So, you know, I thought, hey, maybe. Maybe she's right. Uh, maybe maybe she's right. <laughs> maybe. We'll find out. Bottom of the hour, we're going to get into our thoughts for In the Mood for Love. Uh, but this is the last show of the year. Later in this episode, I'm going to make my announcement for the first movie of 2021. January is going to be cult month for 70 millimeter. We're only going to be doing cult movies. Big. And uh, just, to, I had to do some Googling just to see what is defined as a cult movie. Uh, you can call it a cult classic. It's a movie that has acquired a cult following. And I'm already tired of saying the word cult mm -hmm. just in the first 30 seconds of that explanation. We're going to have to beep it out in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew in Discord says, Heathers or GTFO? My gosh. You talk about a cult movie, wow. Heathers. Never seen it. Imagine Casey's what? review of Heather's. That would I, that might be a two and a half back of Casey. Oh man. So I have my pick lined up. I, I dropped a teaser last week about it. I'm really excited to announce that later in the show. We're also going to go through our year-end fave movie of the year. I wonder if we should just jump into that right now. Do you want to? Each each host will reveal their favorite movie of the year. It doesn't have to be a movie released this year necessarily. Um but Proto, have you been thinking about this? Are you ready to divulge your fave movie of 2020? Yeah, my favorite movie that I watched this year, I was looking at all the five stars I gave out uh, over the course of the year. There was a bunch, I think around like 35ers. So I had 35ers. a lot to, to look at and consider. Maybe, maybe 30, somewhere around there. Who can say? Uh you guys can figure it out on Letterboxd. Um, so it was a close call. My runner up for the year, I'll just say runner up. Oh, wow. 1917. Mm. I watched that uh, three years ago back in January. <laughs> and man, it's a delight. Uh, and I, I, what was I saying? Saying to my wife, mm. when we get a 4K TV, that might be the first mm. movie I watch on oh, there. Oh, my God. I cannot wait to revisit 1917. Mm -hmm. uh, I watched it twice this, uh, this year. Like when we, um, I think when we reviewed it, I watched it like twice that week cause I loved it so much, mm -hmm. but that's not my movie. My favorite movie that I watched this whole year is, uh, 
Ghibli. What? Oh. Miyazaki, his movie from 2013, The Wind Rises. Bro, oh no. my, my God. Whew. This Is movie, this... it wow. just. Mm. I love it. I love, I'm a sucker for a biopic, mm-hmm. you know? And when somebody can tell a life story in under two hours and do it so well uh it just wins me over in every way um you know also the uh just like you know again this this movie it's about this uh an engineer who works on uh, a japanese um uh fighter plane the zero and it's like him growing up his love for airplanes him working on this his career his Mm. his wife it's just an amazing movie and I love it to pieces. And when I think of, you know, Miyazaki, he just, his movies just make you feel good. Mm. But this is, it's not just like a feel good movie. It's, it's also just like a beautiful work of art um, that I love. So that's my pick. My favorite wow. movie of, that I've watched all year. I can't believe it. It's a great I pick. I can't believe it. There's whispers on Twitter that Danny is going to be recruited once more to Dune Pod to talk about a, a Ghibli film mm. was that a- accurate what i saw on twitter i don't know there's a lot of ads going around that day there was a lot of ads i might even mm. let that reference to dune pod come through maybe it's time to lift the the you band can cut it if you want i can still cut it okay we'll we'll let it's the editing team you decide can... what to do for that dale sweating <laughs> dale's making the cut motion again on his neck i'm sick. gonna save danny for last i'm gonna go next <laughs> And I'm going to steal Proto's vibe with this runner-up business. We hadn't talked about that beforehand. That was an ad lib. I wasn't expecting <laughs> it. Um, my runner-up for fave movie of the year, 2020, 70 millimeter edition, Damn. LLC, VHS Village, is also 1917. <laughs> I have that on my faves list and I also couldn't believe that that was this year that we saw that but that was the second episode we did if you look back on the first official episode Abyss was our pilot quote unquote episode Uh, what an amazing cinematic experience that Mm -hmm. was but my fave movie of the year is going to be Portrait of a Lady on Fire oh Matthew that movie Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen that movie yet, first of all, shut this podcast off now mm-hmm. and go buy that Blu-ray. 19, uh, not 19, it says 2019, but I, I think official release was 2020. That movie, I've never felt in the human body what I felt when I saw that movie in the theater next to Proto, crying like a, a, a wee child <laughs> at the Ritz Philadelphia. My goodness. Uh, I'm looking at my review. The energy that was coming off your body. <laughs> I was radiating human emotion next to Proto. Uh, I'm looking at my review right now. Eloise's reaction to being called pretty absolutely blew me away. And mm. it still does to this day. That's This is, you're working on an API right now on Letterboxd. See if you can do some kind of reverse APIing and add a six star feature. There's been rumblings <laughs> of that in Discord. Are we so hacking we can, Letterboxd? Can we hack into the API? This is the plot of the net, I think. Can we go into the computer? With Sandra Bullock. Uh, but that's my pick. Danny, please. Mm. The world awaits. I, too, was going to steal <clears throat> Proto's runner-up, John, because I did write two, not two down. Um, f- so the runner-up for me would have been Little Women. Oh. And... That movie has kind of stuck with me all year. Uh, I think about it quite often because I love the cast a lot and they keep popping up in other movies that I just am reminded of about how great that movie was. But for me, my number one of the year uh, was a very old movie that I would probably have never watched without this podcast. Um, so uh, my favorite movie that I dove into this year was Casablanca. And wow. uh, I think about that often enough to where I could probably watch it weekly. I always, I was like, should I watch Casablanca again this week? Oh. Um, mm. I love that wow. movie a lot. So that's my pick for the year. I finally got around to it. I think 
it's it's always been one of those movies where I didn't think I'd ever care too much to watch it. People talk about it way too much. It's quoted so much. It's in everything. Mm-hmm. But this podcast made me see the otherwise, and here I am watching Casablanca for the first time in 2020. Here's looking at you, Sam. Mm-hmm. Something right? like that. Famous line of that movie. Round yeah. up the usual suspects. Mm. <laughs> so there it is. Holy smokes. I do want to call out, you know, if you're looking for another podcast to hear my nasally voice on, mm-hmm. I was a special, lucky enough to be a special guest on a letterbox show this week for, quote, it's shitless and bangers episode. I'm not sure if that's going to make it past the censors, but uh, we, we talked about it. in America. Our least favorite uh, movies that we watched in the pandemic, but still had fun with, and our faves. So that was a lot of fun. I was able to, uh, once again, share my Kyle MacLachlan stunt ass story from Showgirls, which made it all worthwhile in the end. Danny, what about you? Did you watch anything else? Oh, yeah. This week we watched um, Love Actually, yearly Christmas movie to watch. Mm. Uh, A lot of people do that. I watched Meet Me in St. Louis for the first time, and that was incredible. And whatever copy they have on HBO Max right now, it's beautiful. Mm. Whatever they've done, I don't know if they've done a 4K transfer or something or restored, it's beautiful. Um, That was a great, great film. Uh, I added another notch to my Bond watch and watched Moonraker. Gave that trash two stars. (laughs) I can't believe how bad that movie was. Yeah, was uh, I looked. I tried to see what I did, and that was one of the rare ones that you rated it lower than I did. Oh, gosh. I was shocked. I think in my review, I, I asked, "How did the Bonds franchise survive the Roger Moore era?" And mm, just rough. baffled. It was rough. Baffled by that. Um, I think that's about it. I watched Shop Around the Corner with Jimmy, my boy Jimmy Stewart. It's a Jim good one. Still. And then today I saw that Disney put on Disney Plus the, the animated short that Walt Disney and Salvador Dali started working on, I believe in 1946, um, called Destino. And it's a beautiful short. Very cool if you want to check out kind of Salvador Dali's animation and, or Salvador Dali's art and animation. And it's kind of beautiful. So there you go. Added that to my watch list after I saw that review. Nice. It's six minutes, Matt. You can get to it, okay? Six Listen, minutes. I got a lot of office hours to get mm-hmm. through with Tim Heidecker on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We'll see where the wind takes me. Bottom of the hour, we're, we're almost there for In the Mood for Love. I do want to call out that Sean, uh, who might actually be listening live now, asked this a couple months back on Twitter for us to consider doing this because it had a recent release. And he just joined our Discord this week along with Ben and Tyler. And you can too. If you're looking for a place to talk movies with us, uh, get a snazzy VHS Village membership card delivered right to your door. I know the shipping team was working OT today mm-hmm. to get a bunch of pins out. Oh, speaking of pins, Stanley just sold out. Stanley's he's, pin he's is gone. gone. Stanley's gone. Uh, you can Red too. Is next. Four bucks a month at 70mmpod.com. Get early access to episodes, exclusive episodes uh, before anyone else or not even anyone else. Batman hmm. Returns episodes in the vault right now. Twilight, Shin Godzilla. Those aren't coming out of the Patreon vault. Hmm. And if you share the show on social media each week, tag us, you're entered to win a free year of Letterboxd Pro. And uh, that winner this week is Raging Bull on Twitter. Lace. My just goodness. won a year of uh, Letterboxd Pro. No ads. Custom stats. Mm. Find out where your movies are streaming. And uh, just a reminder on our website, you can get 20% off Patreon, or not Patreon, 20% off Letterbox Pro and patron status at 70mmpod.com. One movie I'll talk about before we move on. Let's hear it. Been on my watch list for a while. Saw it was on HBO Max. Mm. This is an HBO Max episode, if we can be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Check just cleared. (laughs) Uh, Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Movie that I've seen, this poster I've seen in like a ton of 2020 lists. Uh, The shot of her face, it just drew me in. And it follows a pair of teenagers, girls uh, from PA, Pennsylvania, where my PA folks at. Woo! Um, <laughs> Danny shaking his head. 
They go to New York because she is pregnant and she is looking to get an abortion without her mom's consent. Because in PA, she needs it. In New York, she does not. And it was shot so beautifully. This is like, my encapsulated review is, this is kind of what I was expecting from Lady Bird, this movie. You know, I think I gave Lady Bird like three stars. It was okay for me. This movie was really amazing. It really captured... Uh, not that I have any indication of how it feels to be a young pregnant teen, but just her desire to keep it secret from her family, that her family life would probably just implode should they find out. And the journey to go into, you know, to them, a strange land, New York City, Manhattan, to get an abortion and have to stay there and just continually try to hide it from her mom. I thought it was amazing. Four and a half stars. Mm. So much recommend. One of those movies you probably wouldn't want to watch again necessarily but the experience was very uh, very powerful we need to get into it in the mood for love on hbo max wink wong kar wai directed this has been circulating in our feeds for a very long time prado gave an impassioned speech as to why he chose it last week and uh i just want to reiterate a quote that a close confidant of mine had shared the most erotic PG movie ever made that was shared to me. Mm-mm-mm. Proto, can you uh, walk us through this film? Erotic innocence. <laughs> All bodies make music as they move through space, and when the symphonic layers in our skin mingle, a resonance presumes. Forsaken lovers both. They live side by side with a wall separating them. Neighbors who carry both the doubt, shame, fear, and emptiness that comes with knowing your love is loved by someone else. Their empty secret becomes a thread that weaves their lives together. Closer and closer the thread pulls them as they find solace in sharing heartbreak that they can neither escape nor confront. Their lives are cut in half, but can that bitter poison become a healing salve? Can they be made whole again and find a way to once again know love in the mood for love? Chat, Sean in chat says, this Discord is getting steamy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Art says, am I dimming the lights right now? <laughs> Art says, drawing a bath. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smokes. We got to put a sensor tag on that description for this movie. Mm. As I said before, this was popping off my feed for a few months. It was bubbling like Art's bath. Uh mm-hmm. <laughs> Prada, do you have any indication about this movie ahead of time, like in the last couple months, or what was your first uh, insight into this? I think my only insight was just the synopsis on Letterboxd. I knew it was about um, a couple who had both have a a cheating spouse, and that was really the extent of what I knew about it. I didn't want to, I knew I was going to watch this either for the show or I was just going to put it on one night. I, I almost did a couple times this year. You know, you know, you have that moment where you, you're looking for a movie and you're like, oh, In the Mood for Love came up so many times where I wanted to put it on and it just never happened for me. Um, so I knew I was going to watch it. So I stayed away from reading anything about it. Um, so I didn't I didn't really know much going into it. And I've never seen any of uh, Juan Carwise other movies. No, neither have I. There was mm-hmm. um, a couple movies that popped up about people also loved besides this one, but. This is new to you as well, right, Danny? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'd seen the poster or come across my letterbox feed quite a bit um, this summer, but it looked way too sexual, so I avoided it. <laughs> mm. I wasn't in the mood for love yet. Did, Have we told the story say? about how Crash was almost a episode oh, on the show, but it, we didn't know how steamy that movie was. We had to pull back. I mean, that, that became that became the all or nothing episode with Chuck. Mm. Probably a we dodged a bullet. I think we, we dodged did. something in that in that choice. Uh, I'll I'll go through my list first of items that I took notes down. This movie 
looks like a moving photograph. The cinematography in this movie, the shot choices, I don't know what the hell you call that, but there are so many screenshotable moments. And I looked up uh, on the movie database website, not internet movie database, the movie database to grab some stills and backdrops. They all look like photographs, Mm -hmm. like from a very talented photographer doing a photo shoot. It's crazy to me how many shots in this movie look like an Esquire photo shoot or something. Like it looked really good. It wasn't distracting in a way that I thought Hansel and Gretel was that came out this year or last year, but it just set a crazy vibe for this. And it was insane. Yeah. I felt like, especially, I mean, when the first shot of her opening the, the pale yellow window and her dress with the flowers, I, I was just like, Holy cow. Like you knew right away that, there was, you just knew that this film, they took time to care about the cinematography, the wardrobes, the color. I mean, the, the deep reds in this film are, are stunning. I mean, there's, there's just, I mean, it's, it's quite lush, uh, the color in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sean and chat says props to Christopher Doyle and Mark Lee Ping Bin, who I believe did the cinematography. I think they had, they did have two cinematographers. Part of what did you think about the, the visuals? Um, yeah, I thought it. Uh, the word that came to mind for me was uh, voyeuristic, where it it felt like it was like a photographer who was trying to capture someone's day to day life, mm. you know, as if they were invited into their home and they're like, "Just ignore me. I'm just gonna like take pictures of you, like yeah. living your life." Because um, there's a lot of there's like just the way the camera is set up in in so many of these shots is is really compelling. There's one early on where. I think it's like outside of a kitchen window where it's like you're seeing through a curtain mm. into another room past the kitchen. Um, and then there's like that continuous shot where they're, they're playing, I think it was backgammon. Um, you know, it's shot from outside in the hallway and you don't see the whole table. You just see like three people at, at most sitting at the table. Just like all it was, it, there was just like so much um, consideration with the perspective that you had um, with all these shots that was really compelling. Danny, what's on your list for in the mood for love? Um, I, you know, we started off right away with what I want to talk about was how this film looked um, right away. I loved uh, the type of film noir kind of vibes that this got, especially with um I just drove like with a male actor's name. Is it Chong? Chow. Uh, Tony. Chow. Oh yeah. Mr. Chow. There are so many great moments with Chow, uh, especially when he's smoking. The, the smoking scenes with him, I actually really liked and kind of, you know, uh, not that I wanted to smoke, but I kind of was like, man, <laughs> this looks really cool. <laughs> Should I so start many, smoking? <laughs> so many like, so many of like the cigarette coils, like in the air were yeah. like way more sexual than like, the actual chemistry between the two actresses, the actor mm. and the actress. So uh, there were just, I just, this had like a great vibe in this noir kind of way uh, that I just couldn't get over. And it was just really special. And I was actually really getting a lot of parasite vibes with this film, even with the score. There was this one repetitive score that they would play that just kind of made it. Um, kind of uns- like a little bit unsettling and I don't know why it unsettled me but just whatever that that re- that repeated uh, music that they played where she there like scenes where she would walk in the alley with mm-hmm. the noodles or to get the noodles and it was like either that or it was like the slow-mo scenes there was something unsettling about those scenes especially with the music and I kept getting these weird parasite vibes uh, maybe it was because it was I mean, I assumed that the two couples, they had money. They were just, there's just like no place to live in Hong Kong. So Mm. I feel like they were still kind of like going from, you know, class, not like class, but like upper middle class area where the neighbors have a chef and then she would have to walk down into like the kind of slums and Mm -hmm. get her noodles from the, like the lower class people. It was just very interesting, but um, there's just so much uh, good stuff to look at in this film. There's one shot of a light fixture at the top of the frame and the smoke billowing underneath yeah, yeah. the light fixture. Like it looked like just pornography. Visual <laughs> pornography is what I was witnessing on screen. 
the one of my other notes was the noodles that they shared when she eventually like you know their spouses are having an affair and they eventually uncover it so they spend time together they're having what I would consider an emotional affair at that point but they don't even realize it and there there's one scene where she's like locked in she's like in his room and she can't leave because they'll see her and he opens up the noodles to like share with her those noodles look so good i wanted to eat everything that they ate in this movie it was like blowing my mind the food there's also a scene where they have dinner together and he is like putting you know like sides on her table to like help her eat or like help her experience the food a little bit differently as like i guess presumably as a husband would and even that scene was amazing just the the inner the lack of communication between the two of them they're just eating for like two minutes and the camera would just like shift around to their plates a lot of interesting camera movements technically this movie is a marvel in mm. my opinion like visually um another thing is this movie is like largely pseudo vignettes it's not like a linear story sort yeah. of uh it's just kind of yeah. like these scenes just randomly played you don't even know how much time is passing a lot of times I rewound because I was like, what is this? Is she wearing the same dress? Is this the same na- same day? Like there's one, um, <laughs> I'm laughing at farce, making fun of me for talking about nudes nonstop. That's my one take. <laughs> my main takeaway from this movie is the noodles. Um, there's a scene where they are walking down the alley and they're talking about, they're, they're get, they're like theorizing. I wonder how it started between our significant others. And she like doesn't know at first and that you think that the scene ends, but then it like starts up again and they're having like this weird interplay as if they're like role-playing how it started. And I actually didn't even get that scene until I looked at the Wikipedia where it said that they were like role-playing and seeing how they actually, their, their spouses role-played the scene. There's a few scenes like that where I kind of didn't get, I had to rewind. I was paying attention before anyone yells at me, mm-hmm. but um, that was just my vibe. What about you, Proto? Yeah, there was definitely some confusing elements in this. I I was confused at first by the fact that you don't see the other spouses mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, and I was I was like confused as to like, wait, am I missing something? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I thought like, well, do do these characters look the same? You know, and like I'm just confusing them. I'm thinking they're the same person, yeah. and then I thought like, oh, maybe she's playing both both wives, you know, I, I like I, at first for the first like mm. 10, 15 minutes, I wasn't sure what was happening. Um, but then it becomes pretty clear that like, Oh, okay. That they're intentionally avoiding showing um, the cheaters uh, throughout the entire movie, which is a really interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it totally changes this whole story and, and how you can relate to the characters. There's a lot of, that's like a main, I think one of the main threads through this whole thing is like, not only do they, um, you, you don't see the, the, the cheating spouses, but you, so much of like the visuals are obscured throughout the whole movie. Like I was saying earlier, like almost every shot, there's like a character you can't see, or you're only seeing like half of a room or there's, there's a continuous scene where you see them in a car, but you're from, you're seeing them from behind, um, so, so visually and, and just also like at a story level, that seems to be like an, an ongoing theme and everything in this movie feels like very intentional. It, it almost, it's a movie that you, like, I feel that is deserves multiple viewings to really appreciate what the, the writer and director were going for with mm-hmm. telling this. Yeah. I thought the same thing. And I'm glad that Proto was the first person to say that he was confused at the onset. I was going to keep that to myself just to save myself. So I'm, I appreciate Proto's bravery. Now I can come clean and say also I was confused, (laughs) but the, I also at the end of this movie was thinking that I should probably watch this again before we record. Um, Just because I feel like I didn't grasp the entire, the gravity of like a lot of scenes that just happened and kind of impact the, the, the latter part of the movie. Like, they have this emotional affair, you know, thinking, uh, you know, thinking naively that 
they wouldn't possibly fall in love with each other. Like that's not going to happen, but then they eventually do. And he makes a decision to go to Singapore to work and says, come with me. I'll be at the hotel that we spent time writing my martial arts serial platonically as friends together for, <laughs> and come, come, come meet me there. If you want to come with me, she, there's another great shot of him smoking at the window of the hotel and mm-hmm. he just leaves, shuts the lights off. She doesn't show up. And then the next shot is her running down and crying in the hotel. And then a year goes by, I think at that point, like the next you know, card says like 1963. And I'm like, holy shit, a year? And then the next scene after that, 1965. And I'm like, holy shit, three years? Like I was like, <laughs> I was kind of shocked that the story went that way. Like they have their moment, to get their moments in vignettes over time. I have no idea how long it lasts, but then, you know, life goes on for these two. Hmm. And then the end of the movie, that's it. You, you're left to assume that they don't get together. So the, the last 20 minutes of this movie were really shocking to me that that's how the plot kind of developed. Danny, what did you think? I mean, I was more shocked at him making out with a temple in Cambodia than <laughs> anything in this film. <laughs> <laughs> whatever he was doing in that hall, oh, I was PG thirteen rated. That was pushing. He was whispering that was pushing that PG thing. ratings. <laughs> what was going on? Um, yeah, I, so for me, I know you're talking about watching it again, and I'm not opposed to watching it again. I was. <sighs> Sounds like you are. I, I'm not, but man, I was bored. I was really bored in this Let film. Let it out. Let it out. Um, th- this space. this film kind of checks all my boxes. Like it's 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 a visually um, stunning. I love the I love the performances. Nothing is like nothing is wrong on that front. But man, the story I just I felt so bored. Like I didn't care. I had no empathy for these characters and what they were going through. And I just I just the. I just got so bored. Mm. Um, and maybe it was how it was told with the vignettes and how I wasn't, I was confused as well. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, for sure. Very brave. Especially, especially when you talked, when I first caught it, the same part you did with the like double take in the, in the hallway or the outside alleyway. But there was just so much about this that I just like, and then I was getting, start getting to the point where like, am I an idiot? You know? Like, am I not connecting with this? Is them, is the two of them writing the, uh, the, the martial arts serial together, like, like a metaphor for them actually having sex and, and having an affair as well? Mm -hmm. Or is this just what it is? And like, I just was, it was just like, it was just, and then I just got tired of caring and then I just got bored. And by the end of the film, and when he ended up in Cambodia with the temples, I was just like, yeah, I get it. He told the story about climbing the mountain and speaking the secrets into the hole. And I was, I was checked out. I didn't, I didn't care. The time jumps at the end. I was just like, whatever. I I really didn't care. I, I like the fact that this was a PG film kind of bugged me because I felt no passion with the two of them. I wasn't getting that at all. Um, I think the most emotional scene is when she breaks down and cries in front of him when they're doing the reenacting of how they're going to tell or ask the questions to their spouses when she breaks down and she doesn't, she doesn't know, she didn't realize how hard it was going to be mm-hmm. or how to experience that with him. And so at this point, I mean, it, it just was, it was just a little bit boring for me. Um, I didn't, I didn't find anything funny. I like the one comedic character asking him for money and stuff, but for me, the story really just falls super flat on my end. And I just, it just was hard. Yeah. I, I connect with you, Danny, with the, the not caring necessarily about these characters. Hmm. I kind of felt the same way. And I don't know if it's because I can't really relate to Hmm. what they're going through. Um, And of course you don't, you don't have to go through the same thing to be able to have a connection with a character. Right. But so there was, it felt like there was something else missing where I wasn't drawn in to like the plight Mm -hmm. of where they were. And I actually feel like it might have to do with the fact that you're totally disconnected from the, the love that they've lost in their spouses, Mm -hmm. like not seeing Maggie Chung's husband. And like, you see at times how she's like emotional when like the role playing, Um, and, and, and he says like, yes, you know, I have a mistress and then she cries and it's like, wow, like that, that was, that was like a moving moment. But 
like there's no, you don't see any interaction with that person. So it, it was, it was hard for me to like, can, like grow an empathy for these characters because it's missing that whole aspect, this whole thing, like the, you know, the, the whole subtext of this is that there's, they're, they're like brokenhearted because their spouses are cheating on them, but we get no, we don't see any of that mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie. And I, and I felt like that kind of kelp like had me disconnected mm-hmm. uh, throughout. Art says, do you think the choice to not have an affair themselves was a mutual decision? There's vibes. He would have cheated. Anyone else pick up on that? Mm-hmm. There's a few scenes where um, early on, like really early on in their kind of like friend quote friendship, he like reaches to grab her hand and pulls yeah, away. She pulls away. Um, so I don't know what he was kind of going for there. Like maybe the emotional, his emotional state as at having discovered an affair was making him just kind of act erratically or rashly in that moment. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure. And, and yeah, later Mike points out, they both said, we don't want to be like them, but they eventually did. And I just wanted to kind of jokingly say that art has experienced this before in discord where the vibe is turning from arts rating. And I think Sean is feeling it a little bit for the first time. So Sean, welcome to the discord. (laughs) I, first of all, I'm glad that I wasn't the one to bring this up. The, the hiding of the spouses was very intriguing to me and innovative, but I think it did disconnect me from having a relationship with the two, two leads. Yes. And you can say that, you know, I can't relate to them. I just talked about never, rarely, sometimes, always about a teenager getting an abortion in New York City. And I related a, a lot more to her in that movie than I had thus far in In the Mood for Love. Lord <laughs> says losing a star every five minutes for a beer. <laughs> um, so I'm just glad that that came, came up because I did feel that as well. Uh, let's see. I'm going through some of my other notes. The wallet keychain that he wore, I was way into that. I knew that's, you would be. I knew style. you son of a, I <laughs> knew you'd be into that. Uh, what, what was the setting? This was Hong Kong, right? 60s, Hong Kong, 62. 60s Hong yeah. Kong wallet chain suit. I knew okay. it. Okay. It's very gangster. He, <laughs> I knew you were into, into that. It. His style was just on point in general. Everything. I mean, her dresses, every, dresses, every outfit. I mean, she was stunning. Absolutely stunning. They should have a museum set up for this movie with the wardrobe and the the set, the production design, capital P, capital D. Mm-hmm. Um, Pardo, what else you got? Uh, well, yeah, that kind of segues into really my main point is that Maggie Chung is a miracle of cinema. <laughs> I okay. was, I was enraptured <laughs> uh, by her. The whole, the whole movie. Mm. Um, she is, I don't know. She's like on another level. There's actually, so there's somebody I follow on, on letterbox. who's pretty popular. We've talked about him like uh, some of his Twitter posts, uh, Nick um, Eusen. Oh yeah. Um, Great follow. So he, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't leave stars for any of his movies and um, he rewatches a lot of stuff and he'll just like leave like, like a, a zinger, like one line. And there's a, a movie that has Maggie Chung in it and his uh, it's called Irma Vep, which I watched earlier this year. And his, his review just says, I'm looking at Maggie Chung respectfully. Uh, and then he has like the blushing smiley face. <laughs> and that's like what I felt like this whole movie. Like, oh my gosh. Um, I mean, sh- she's stunning. She's an amazing actress. Uh, this movie's rated PG, but question mark. <laughs> Um, but your thoughts were PG 13. The, the scenes of them writing the martial arts strip, I thought were probably my favorite scenes because it really showed her opening up and smiling in a way that she was otherwise constrained in public. Like that, like speed wrap up of them working in the hotel was, Mm -hmm. I thought their best scenes together. They were just having, you know, fun. They were laughing. They were enjoying each other's company uh, but yeah, that was probably the last of my notes that we haven't mentioned yet. The other thing, just overall, we talked about the design of this movie. 
you could you could tell me this movie was made in the 70s, the 80s, the 60s, the 90s. I would believe you. Like they mm. just nailed the timeless vision for this movie. You know, exactly what Sean said on Twitter. Like you, I think, I remember, I think it was Proto in our uh, Vertigo episode. I believe you asked like, what are some other movies that have this mm. kind of timeless nature? And Sean correctly responded with, you should check this out. And it's like on point. Mm-hmm. This movie is so timeless looking. I couldn't get over it. Danny, what else you got? Anything else? Um, I, I actually, I think Casey disliked this. I can't remember, but I really loved the music in this. I thought it was interesting that they played a lot of uh, Latin music and then a lot of Nat King Cole. Mm. I thought it was very interesting and very weird choice, but there was a cool vibe to it. Um, that was very, I don't know. I felt like that. I mean, that, that kind of helped with this kind of mood of love, uh, for sure. Um, but man, yeah. I don't have too much more to say. I don't want to, I don't want to, I, I think this is a, it's hard to say I, that this is a, a bad film. I don't want to say that at all. Cause I don't think it's a bad film. I just missed them. I just didn't connect with this story. And that's, I mean, that's, that's really where I'm at with it. I didn't connect with the characters. I didn't, I just really wanted to because it's, it's a beautiful film. I want to watch more of his work. Someone was talking about uh, a couple more in, in some of the reviews how they compared it. And I think maybe if I had seen and knew more about the director coming into this, then maybe I would have known what I was in for. Cause I think they are saying it's kind of like some of his other work as well. Um, but yeah, I don't have too terribly much more to talk about. Um, about the musical piece. The one that um, was yeah, that, popular through the, throughout the movie. Yeah. Like the, with the, with yeah. the strings in it. Um, yeah. I almost wanted to like see a super cut of just those scenes. Um, because like I was saying earlier where I feel like there's things that I miss that almost felt like a, almost like a chorus that was repeated throughout the movie or like a stanza in a poem that like mm. comes up over and over again. Yeah. Almost tracks something uh, prominent about the relationship as it develops. It, it, it just seems like this director had more in mind and like at a very fine detail level that like, if you're not paying attention, you could miss. And like, I, I don't know what that thing is, but it feels like there's something more there. And, and I feel like that's also like the whole plot of this movie. Like, I know like Danny, you were saying it's boring. And I, and I felt that a little bit, I think like the second half, it does drag a little, little bit, but it's almost like the plot is like microscopic in mm. terms of like what's going, like things are happening, but you have to be paying such good attention to what's going on or else it'll, it'll seem like nothing's happening. Um, so I, I really feel like this movie, it, it, it deserves, it deserves at least in my mind more, I don't know, more attention or like a second viewing. I think it, I think it deserves to not be PG. I mean, I think, think there's PG 13. No, no, no. I think it needed to be made into a PG-13 movie. I didn't feel, I really wanted to feel the passion between the two of them. And I think keeping, keeping the story, um, I don't know, less sexual, um, less, I don't know. I just didn't feel it. That was my problem was I really wanted to feel the passion between the two of them. And I just really didn't. I Did I, you see Maggie Chung eating the... The meat. Listen, I'm not talking about how Maggie Chung made me feel as a as a, a blood warm blooded male, <laughs> but between the two of them, I felt nothing, and that's what bugged me the most about it. Especially when you have incredible like uh, poster work for this movie that is just oh my give, god giving off way different vibes than what we get. My in this god, film. I. Wanted to spotlight a few villagers' reviews. Bax, who's listening right now, gave four stars. Do you appreciate stunning visuals, impeccable fashion, and love yearning? If so, <laughs> buckle up, buddy. This one's for you. Uh, Boom, who I believe we have a voicemail coming to mm-hmm. later this eve from the Synonauts podcast, four and a half stars. BTJ Movies, one and a half star. The extremely boring and one-dimensional main characters made this a way harder journey than it needed to be. Sean Cohen, five-banger on Letterboxd. Still amazed watching this film. Every shot has weight and the colors, the movement, and sound become bards 
for the story. My word. That sounds like a problem. Did he say right bards? There. He just said bards. My gosh. Bardo's getting some Maggie Chung vibes again right now. <laughs> Matthew Zavala, four banger. J-Whale, five. Mike R, I believe, is listening right now. Four and a half stars. A rare four and a half banger from Mike Rappin right now. Middle Casey, mm. two and a half. Mikey P, four and a half. Ben Sandberg, five stars. You heard the impassioned speech last week from Proto about Ben mm-hmm. and his thoughts with this movie. And uh, Dear Confidant Art, four and a half stars. Is this the most erotic PG movie ever made? No. Danny is shaking his head. <laughs> Proto, what's your rating for In the Mood for Love? And final thoughts. Mm, final thoughts. I feel like I've said everything that I want to say about the movie. Um, man, I was really digging it. Uh, early on, um, that opening part of my synopsis, like it came to me while I was watching. I was like, what am I in, in store for here? Like I was getting, like, I was, I was feeling my muse. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, and then, you know, by the end of this, I wasn't really sure how to feel. And like we said earlier, just, you know, when, when I can't connect with the movie emotionally, I feel like just my overall gut of a, of a movie is like, I don't know. It's almost like instinctual how I felt about it, or that's how I have to be with this movie. So I'm going to have to fall back on my proto lens, uh, oh TM patented trademark move, where if I ask myself, you know, what I thought of this movie, who hadn't seen it before, I would, I would say this is a three star movie for me. Mm. Um, it's, it's a good movie. I appreciate everything we talked about in it, but yeah, I just didn't really connect with it in the way that I, I would want to. Mm. Mm. Wow, wow, wow. The Proto Lens wow. making its triumphant reappearance to wrap up 2020. Tyler, also a uh, villager, four and a half stars in Letterbox. This is this might be the highest weighted VHS mm-hmm. villager movie in history. Yeah. Compared to you know what might is about to happen for an yeah. average. Danny. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's time. Um like I said before, this movie checked almost every single box for me. I loved the I loved the actors, I loved the wardrobes, the cinematography, the color in this film was impeccable. Uh, but it just it falls short on the story for me and the storytelling. And so I'm with Proto. It's a three star movie. Wow! There was talk in the Discord that Proto was going to be the one to save this movie, and I didn't expect it to be me who is going to save this movie. Are I'm you? going to give it <laughs> three and a half stars. Oh my This word. should have been a five banger. I think the decision to keep the spouses off screen was a death sentence for me. It, mm. it kind of precluded me from feeling for the main leads. I also thought they were just kind of extremely naive in thinking that they weren't having an emotional affair right from the onset. But mm-hmm. you know, they learned that eventually. And, you know, I was kind of bummed that they didn't end up together after both marriages presumably fell apart, which is kind of depressing. They had yeah. this, you know, all, affa- affair, essentially, due to the fact that their spouses had an affair. The marriages ended, they didn't get together. She had a kid. Mm. You know, it's over. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty depressing. It gave me Portrait of a Lady vibes, actually. Yeah, not obviously not as good in my the, opinion. The, yeah, plot wise. Um, because but there yeah, was a, wise. I get yeah. I the parallels are now obvious to me. The end, the, the endings of those movies. But the, I mean, I remember openly weeping twice <laughs> when I watched Portrait when she's looking at that painting and looking at her experience the opera. Are you kidding me right now with those scenes? <laughs> and she she sees the book in the painting. End mm. this. Three Weep. star death sentence from Danny might as well have been a Muppets movie. No, Far no, no, says no, 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 no. I'm glad. Let me just say this: it's a technical visual marvel. I'm glad I experienced it. I'm sure we all are. Uh, visually, good lord, this movie. But I can yes. see why it's so highly rated for sure. It just didn't 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 vibe with me. Uh, we need to get to some of our voicemails, which I believe are related to this film and you can leave us a voicemail audio file or write us a letter at 70mmpod.com 
we have a long one okay. in store. This might be the longest VM in history. I'm just going to set the stage right now. It's her first VM. Oh, okay. So, and she's, you know, she's new to the, to the, okay. the village. So we're going to let it slide this time. Boom. Okay. Boom. So everyone relax, get your eggnog out. I'm nogging. Hey, 70 millimeter. It's boom. What's up? Um, you've all just been so kind and welcoming me into the podcast world and always throwing supportive words my way. So I wanted to say thank you and return the love and say that I think your show is awesome. Um, I always enjoy hearing your perspectives. You have such a wonderful dynamic and you guys are absolutely hilarious. I usually listen to podcasts while I'm out running errands. So there have been several times where I'm listening to you guys that I have just burst out laughing in public. (laughs) So if I get banned from my local grocery store, I'm blaming you guys. (laughs) Um, I also appreciate how much you guys talk about crying while watching movies. Catcher and Ian over at Synonauts claim that they aren't uh, movie criers, allegedly. So 70 millimeter is where I come for a dose of emotional validation. (laughs) So I'm going to honor this safe space that you've created by telling you about both times I cried while watching In the Mood for Love last night. Oh, wow. Um, Such a great pick, by the way. Technically, it's absolutely marvelous. And I love a tragic romance melodrama. Totally my jam. So yeah, first cry was when Sue um, is with the Mahjong la- ladies, the Mahjong ladies, and uh, Chow is in a room of fellow fellow journalist uh, friends, and they're both surrounded by people, but they get up to stare out the window, and mm. you just know in that moment everything they're thinking, everything they're feeling, and everything that has been left unsaid is just made to be so apparent. And my second cry was the ending. Um, this film is just so stylish and stunning, but everything is so contained and almost feels claustrophobic. Um, everything also seems like it's happening at night in the dark. Um, and then they cut to the end where Chow whispers his secret and we get these bright beautiful shots and things seem to open up and it just feels freeing even though Mm. it is still super sad um, because you obviously want Sue and Chad to be together. Uh, So yeah, I am so excited for this episode and to hear what you guys have to say. I hope you all have wonderful holidays and Uh I'll be tuning in next year for Sandra Bullock Month because that's happening, right? (laughs) You wouldn't Mm. wouldn't tease and joke about that, right? We would never. Anyways, happy holidays, guys. What a VM from Bash. Boom. Unreal. Thank you. Thank you, Boom. Boom, if I may. If I may? You can can (laughs) may. Um, if you love tragic romance, I watched David Lean's Brief Encounter this year. Uh, and I'm like, I'm the only person on my letterbox circle, uh, who's seen it. And I need somebody else to watch this movie. Boom, please Um, watch this. Watch Brief Encounter 1945 by David Lean. I need someone to tell me what they thought of this movie. Mm. Boom has her directive. Should she choose to accept it? (laughs) Boom uh, referenced the podcast with Ian and Catcher, dear friends of ours, the Synonauts podcast as they travel through the Criterion Collection. And uh, Sean in chat says there's still an opportunity to rethink these stars, guys. (laughs) Voicemail. I'm thinking about it. (laughs) It's funny she referenced that they don't. They're not movie criers. Tara sent me a photo of Ian and her watching It's a Wonderful Life and Ian at the end Ian was just stoically unimpressed no tears what? at the end of that movie he's a he's a robot I need him checked out by a physician something's wrong I think he gave that four and a half stars his body's too. been snatched there's something wrong chemistry in his brain there's something yeah we need to get this checked out Tara listen I'm proud to be the emotional beacon of of tears you are in our definitely society are. <laughs> the, the, we need to we need to show people that that's acceptable behavior in, in our society Nice voicemail. Hey, 70mm podcast. It's your old pal Tim with his friends and family. <laughs> We're in a car together. We're out delivering cookies and giving Christmas cheer to all the good 70mm girls and boys that live Aww. in this place called Los Angeles. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. Say happy Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, my word. What a VM, wow. Tim. 
Heartwarming. Happy holidays, Most Tim. Things. It's not Love safe it, to make those calls while driving, FYI. Please. Not in LA. Uh, let's see. We got another VM. This one might be from, from Ben. Let's see. Ben. What's up, 70 millimeter pod? It's Ben Sandberg calling in first time, long time, and all that. I was touched <laughs> by Proto's dedication of his final pick for 2020. So I figured I'd call in and talk about In the Mood for Love a little bit. Mm. Uh, I'm really interested in hearing what you guys have to say. I feel like the Discord has been generally positive on it so far, but I've seen a few dissents. I'm just hoping that Proto doesn't <laughs> dismiss the recurring musical motif in the same way that he did with John Carpenter's iconic Halloween theme. Um, obviously, I'm a huge fan of In the Mood. I think it's one of cinema's masterpieces. I think it's probably as close as you can get to a perfect film. The setups are immaculate. Every camera movement is deliberate. The performances are incredible, and it contains, in my opinion, one of cinema's greatest scores. I don't think there's another film that I've seen, at least, that more perfectly captures the feeling of longing for connection with another person. Um, also, smoking really has never looked so cool. Thank you. Every Thank time you. I watch this, I Vindicated. think that I might mess around and pick up a nicotine habit. <laughs> uh, anyways, again, I'm really excited to hear what you and the rest of the villagers have to say. Um, I hope you guys have a happy holiday, a great New Year, and uh, just keep watching good movies. All right, see you guys around. Wow, 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 wow. Thank you. What, what do you think Ben's reaction is going to be to hearing this episode, brother? You know him best. Hope he doesn't cancel the wedding. Is it canceled? Did he know. just text you? No, no, not yet. It's still on. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, like, he's going to be around. Maybe he's just going to be like, uh, like you know, I'm going to walk in my living room. He's like, oh, I have all in the mood for love on. <laughs> Funny that you're here in your own house. Maybe we'll, you want to sit down and watch it. I can teach you a thing or two. Honestly, I wouldn't mind watching it again. Bust I mean, out. it's a gorgeous movie. Busts out his red pen, looks directly at you, <laughs> and just starts taking notes. <laughs> Thanks for the VM, Ben. What's up, 70 millimeter? It's Lex popping in again to check on you boys. <laughs> managed to watch It's a Wonderful Life oh, as it was reviewed so well on the show. Oh, and uh, yeah, it's a five-star banger. Yep. Yes. It did not disappoint. Yep. Mm. Uh, but beyond that, I've mostly been working on my own podcast and setting stuff up for the holidays. But I wanted to pop back in again and talk about In the Mood for Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie was raved about from all sides of my corner of the internet. So I ended up checking it out earlier this year, and I loved it. It's a very impressionistic and, uh, well, moody film. Mm. So it's very easy to get lost in the world that it creates. Mm. Uh, It's been months since I saw it, and it's still rattling around in my brain. So if that's not the mark of a a four-and-a-half-star banger, (laughs) uh, I don't know what is. (laughs) Keep up the good work. Uh, Bye. I like that that send-off. You yeah. got to have a nice, catchy little send-off, you know, in the podcast space. Setting the bar. He did, he cleverly didn't mention his podcast name because that was probably his, like, you know, Slim will probably mention it if I don't. That's how I'll get him to mention it. But if you're into Spider-Man, Spidey Signals podcast, he had an episode that dropped, I think, this week on The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And it was, like, three hours long. Can you imagine what? talking about The Amazing Spider-Man 2 for three hours? Two plus hours. What happens? I don't know if I've seen two. Oh, it's it's junk. <laughs> okay, it's not junk. Don't let them fool you. Is your rating higher for the Amazing uh, <laughs> Spider-Man Two than it is for In the Mood for Love? Yes, it has to be. Oh my, oh god. my god! Can someone Andrew, verify? Andrew Garfield alone. Can deserves someone four verify stars? in Discord Danny's rating for the Amazing Spider-Man Two right now, please? <laughs> if it's higher than three stars, we need to have a discussion uh, in the boardroom. I'm sorry. You have two, you have Emma Stone. Matthew and, and have, Chat junk certified. The God the podcast Godfather, listen, Matthew Buchanan, has verified that it's junk. Listen, we're we're now an IMDB show. 
where you can rank and yeah, 70 millimeter inspired by IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> Certified junk. Listen, I I really like Andrew Garfield as Peter. It's hard for me to not like those movies. I enjoyed both of them quite a bit. The first one was fine. First Good. one's great. Three, Three and, and a half, half stars. Are you kidding me? Every time I see Andrew Garfield, all I can think of oh, is yourself? that that uh, that scrunched up face in uh, the social, social network, network where where he where he's kicked out. And just, How could you do this to me? I'm mad. Oh man, he had some big hair in all his movies. He's got great I think as Spider Man, he had big hair too. He's got great hair. It's like Egon Spengler. The one time you wanted to be Peter, you know. Yeah, but you shouldn't want to be Peter. That's well, the whole too thing. bad you do. It's Andrew. I get it, but that's the Can thing with this? Peter Parker. Oh, you know, not this time around, Matt. Art, <laughs> Art is saying, "Can we do Social Network?" Is it a good movie? Oh, Danny's on one right now. Like He's on that, one after that. that Matthew podcast got. <laughs> Image right. that just got frozen. Re- All right, we got one more voicemail to get. <laughs> we got to. stuff to do, guys. What up, seventy millimeter? Caleb calling. Recent movie aficionado, oh as you can tell by my letterbox. Mm-hmm. Mm, you guys inspired okay. me, and I've really been on a good run recently. Just trying to dust the cobwebs off of my letterbox that sat dormant for so so long. Mm. But that's not why I'm calling. Oh, before the year was out, I wanted to call and thank you guys. <gasps> oh. You guys give the greatest gift of all, and that is friendship. Mm. Oh. This podcast, as well as Slim's previous podcast, Paper Keg, people would come for the movies, or in that case, comics, but they'd stay for the friendship. Oh. Your friendship is infectious, and it makes oh. anyone who listens want to be friends with you. The way that you are so open-armed with your friendship is inspiring. Uh, my life is better for having met you guys oh and become gosh. friends with you, and the people that I've become friends with by association with you. And I just wanted to say thank you. Um, thank you for sharing and thank you for being my friend. I love you guys and I love the podcast and I'll talk to you soon. Yes, Casey. Sorry, I'm snickering because Casey said it's Matt crying yet. <laughs> Casey, you know me too well. What a fantastic. Wow. Gosh, uh, Caleb, thank you. Fantastic sharing of your emotions. It's another thing that I am just all in for. Mm. If you're a man in this society, share your emotions as much as possible. That's the best thing you can do. Caleb, we yeah, value and appreciate you too. Mm. Love you, babe. And Caleb has been on a run. His last 10 movies, uh, they're averaging like four and a half stars. He's just hitting all the big ones. Mm. And I love to see it. He's on a run. He's on a Bogart run, if I remember correctly. Mm. Bogey. Mm-hmm. We're here for friends. Sheesh. Come for the movies, stay for the friendship. Should I announce my cult movie pick <gasps> for January? Oh, oh, it's time. It is time. Oh, I'm excited. This what is, is uh, <laughs> is that our jog- joggers tagline? I find out that RoboCop's a cult movie right now. <laughs> Are we about to find <laughs> out? <laughs> RoboCop is a cult movie, but it's not my pick. Uh, I, I want to save that one. You know, I'm gonna, maybe we'll have a, a special month where we all go through our top movies. Is it is have, this in either of mine or Proto's letterbox right now? Um, have we seen this? There's no rating attached. Okay. So I teased that it was just added to HBO Max. This movie came out in 1994. Oh, <laughs> the year of our Lord. Danny Real instinctively knows what 90s. an amazing year that was. I love the He's 90s. He's back already. Uh, this movie came out- I had the VHS. Every teen boy had this VHS. They got the DVD. They watched this on loop. Tagline is Believe in Angels. Alex Preyas, Brandon Lee, The Crow. Believe you did it. Holy cow. HBO Max is on right now. I can't remember the last time this was available and streaming. So this was on my list for a while and I saw it streaming. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe we're doing The Crow. I'm excited. I haven't seen this in a very long time. I removed my rating before I made this announcement. (laughs) I I haven't seen it since I've been on Letterboxd. I'm very excited to watch it again. This is BLB. Yeah, for sure. Wow. So I'm, I'm excited. Next show. 
Wow, it's gonna the be crow. a big one. This is the one. This is the the infamous shoot where we lost infamous. Brandon Lee. This is the movie that kicked off the Sting 1999 mm-hmm. makeup in WCW. In WO. Lex says he watched it earlier this year. Holy oh, my God, he's on it. Do you believe that we're starting the year? The Crow. We're starting the year with The Crow. Do we want to announce the other thing for December? What other thing for December? I'm confused. Next December. <laughs> oh, announced. next December. <laughs> it's like when, when WWE announced that Rock was going to fight next John December. Cena again at next WrestleMania. Listen, uh, if everyone's, yeah. We'll, go we'll, for it, Matt. We can sit on Just it. Do it. We can, Just we can, do it. Just do it. Next, next December, we made a decision what movies we were going to do for the month of December is the 20th anniversary of a film franchise called the Lord of the Rings. Mm. And we'll be doing that movie series next year. Just 20th just, anniversary. It's going to, we have it and we, you know, we'll, we'll drop, we'll do breadcrumbs about which versions we're going to do, <laughs> what, what resolution we're going to watch it in. But, uh, just well, we get, all have 4K TVs by then. We have we have one year. I pray to whatever God everyone worships that I'll get a 4K TV <laughs> by the, by next year. So th- we had a big year coming up. Thank you everyone for your support this year. Thank you for mm-hmm. listening and sharing the show. Thank you for being friends in Discord. Proto, do you have any closing thoughts as we wrap up 2020? Man, I just want to play Caleb's voicemail again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know what? We're here for the friendship. We were talking about this today. You know, um, our community that we have here, what uh, has come about in the course of one year of Mm. just, you know, loving movies and talking about them and just the friendships that have been created um, and the fun that we have. I I mean, it's, you, you, you can't make it up. You can't fake it. You can't copy it. You can't Xerox it. You know, it's impossible. This is, um, this is something special. I'm so thankful that we've, that on a whim, we decided to start this show. We were actually looking back at those messages a little while ago. It was like so random how like this even started. Um, and the fact that where we are right now with everyone, um, in the discord and everyone who listens, um, it's been quite a ride and excited for the next year. Mm. Imagine what pins are going to come out. God bless. 2021 with our dear friends at Letterboxd. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see everyone next see everyone. We'll let me try that again. We'll see everybody next week. <laughs>